The Olympics are near, and we have an 18-player roster for the United States women's national team, so we're going to talk about it. I'm your host, Jeff Kasouf. This is Kicking Back, a podcast by The Equalizer. We are part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. And this episode, I am joined by Lori Lindsay, who I'm sure if you listen to this, you know quite well, former U.S. national team player, analyst of all things soccer in the U.S., U.S. Women's National Team, National Women's Soccer League, MLS, college ball, all of the above. And Lori and I are talking about this U.S. roster, decisions that were made, decisions that weren't made, I guess, um, and outlook for this U.S. team at the Olympics. Um, you know, a tough group that they're in. Olympics are always a grind. Lori actually brings unique experience, not only obviously as a former U.S. national team player, but she was an alternate at the Olympics in 2012. So, you know, it's a, it's a unique kind of experience even beyond going to the Olympics. So um, excited to bring you this chat about all things U.S. Women's National Team ahead of the Olympics. And just want to remind you, please go ahead, rate, and review this podcast. Got a little incentive for you this week. If you're listening to this pod as it drops this week, we are entering you. If you give us a little review, give us those five stars, of course, say some nice words. And we have some extra Parkside NWSL trading cards, uh, which we'll be giving away to somebody. So leave us a review on either this podcast or the Equalizer podcast. Tweet it to us, a little screen grab at Equalizer Soccer, and we will enter you into uh, a raffle. We'll, we'll pick a few of the, our favorite responses and get you a pack of NWSL trading cards, which are sold out online and hard to find. So that'll be only till the end of this week, so the start of July here, if you're listening at the start of this. Um, so little incentive to leave a review and please of course listen to the rest of this episode excited to bring it to you here on the latest episode of kicking back enjoy welcome to another episode of kicking back everybody i'm your host jeff kasuf as always and i am joined by uh, i don't know many different ways to introduce today's guest but i'm thinking i'm going to go with u.s olympic roster soothsayer <laughs> Lori Lindsay. How, how you doing, Lori? Hey, great. Thanks for having me on, Jeff. I was to chat with you. Um, more, more prominently known as uh, a U.S. national team player of many years, analyst for uh, U.S. women's national team, NWSL, MLS, many things. Uh, currently, uh, Lori and I do NWSL Live with Jordan Angeli every week um, on the NWSL's Twitch page. So, Get yourself there every Tuesday night at 5 Eastern. Um, but today on Kicking Back Here, on this episode, we're going to talk about the U.S. Olympic roster, some Olympic outlook, uh, maybe a little bit of NWSL too. And Lori, I know, um, had a she, – she made it – I don't know how much you've said this publicly, Lori, but I know when we were looking to predict the roster, you were very pumped about being 100% correct about the 18. <laughs> Listen, you're the only one that really, you and Jordan were the only ones that saw that excitement. I stayed with our producer for NWSL Live. Like, you know, it was just my own internal um, little like game that I was playing with myself. So I had a good time, but um, no, I was not trying to like put that out there really that publicly. <laughs> the reactions were hilarious in themselves. <laughs> well, I will give you the, the public credit here that um, you had it nailed, which I'm looking I think I think I was one off, so seventeen for eighteen, and and I guess I was pretty significantly off. So I guess let's start with I mean, no surprises for you. So um, what do you think of those those bubble picks to start? Those couple of bubble two three we've talked about through the. 
the weeks and months here. Um, you think those are the right calls from, from Vlako and Anoski? Yeah, you know, it's, it's interesting because as, as much as like we have followed the team and as much as we, um, you know, I think see these players week in and week out in the NWSL and then follow the national team games, it's hard to say. I mean, I think I have an interesting perspective on it in terms of, you know, having been, had played um, with the national team and understand what it's like for a coach to go through and what the, that process is like as well as a player. Um, however, we don't know the ins and outs of what Flacco was thinking. I think some of the, the boat players that you're speaking to, though, is like the Tobin Heath getting picked, right? And like what her progress has been, um, you know, Christy Mewis. Um, so it, it, to answer that more, question more specifically, though, yes, I think the Christy Mewis makes a lot of sense. Um, I think that she's she has, you know, part of the, the, the struggle is is, you know, being consistent. I don't know if that's a struggle, but it is about being consistent um, leading up to it and, um, and performing with your NWSL team and the national team. So I think that makes a lot of sense. I, I, you know, if. It'll be interesting, I guess I should say, is I don't think there's any wrong picks given how deep this player pool is. And um, I also think that you can make a case for a handful of other players that could have easily been slotted in to those spots. And we could have been like, hell yes. And then the, it's always hindsight, right? When, however the team does, then we're going to be like, oh, well, this player could have showed up and done better. Or if this team wins gold, then it could be like black was spot on, right? So I don't know if that answers your question, but that's always how it goes. So. Well well, I think there's some interesting wrinkles to this. The the 22 player roster potential for that is something that keeps floating around. I honestly, when I first read about it, maybe a month or so ago, I thought it was nonsense, to be honest, because these things have been so set in stone and they're not just like, hey, you know, logic doesn't always prevail with those things, right? It's this is about Olympic delegations and budgets and and total number of athletes, not just soccer. So um, but it seems to have picked up. It hasn't gone away, I guess is the best way to put it. And even just like following up on it in the past few days, it seems like there's still some optimism that all 22 players could be used by the time we actually get to the Olympics in a few weeks. So um, in that sense, we should talk about alternates a little bit here. Mm -hmm. um, the four alternates, I think that almost that's where some of the most intriguing stuff happened because, um, you know, Lynn Williams misses out on the, the full 18 roster. I think that you could say that's at the expense of Tobin Heath. And, and she obviously hasn't played in several months with coming back from injury. Um, Katerina Macario, who's had so much attention and hype um, and has done well at Leon, but hasn't necessarily gotten those, you know, those minutes and those, um, those moments really for the U.S. yet. Jane Campbell in goal and then Casey Kruger who hadn't, hadn't been in a U.S. camp in months. And that's where I think I was surprised because the, the one difference that you and I had on the roster was I thought maybe Adonofsky takes Midge Purse for the versatility. She had done well recently. Um, so I was particularly surprised to not even see her as an alternate. And it sounds like by some of the interviews from over the weekend of these players speaking for the first time, Casey Kruger even seemed surprised to get that call. Uh, you know. Yeah. So, I mean, what do you make of maybe that particularly? And um, if we do have those alternates available, how do you think that maybe changes or enhances Vlaco's plan? Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, 
listen, I think this is the first time that regardless of say, if there's, there's 22 that actually make out a full roster, let's just say they do go with the, the four alternates. I think this is the first time that they could be um, really close to these players being utilized more so than previous years, given the COVID restrictions. And it sounds like how the protocols are going to be if you test positive once you're done essentially so that would force a call up into a um into from a from an alternate position so i think these four players um more so than ever before will need to be ready and um potentially that was in the way that blacko had um thought about this as well you know the Casey Kruger thing is really interesting because I rate Casey Kruger very highly in terms of an outside back position and yes you you make a good point about Mitch Purse and and I don't know what those conversations were like with Lacko and Midge and um whether she you know maybe you know this better than me maybe there's players that don't want to go as alternates right and they they feel like and, and I I've never actually heard somebody say that I have not either you, yeah. right but then also, I mean, that's a real thing because there's also on the other side of that, they might not play any minutes and then you're gone for six plus weeks and you're not getting any sort of game time where you can stay and play with your club team. However, we never even heard of that. In the whole <laughs> so, weird things have happened though, right? Um, but, you know, the Mitch Perch in terms of not being an alternate, it was a surprise to me as well. Um, and then for Casey Kruger to be called in and, you know, the only thing that I can go off of, of with the Midge Per situation is after the, what was the second game? Was it Jamaica for the U.S. team when, when Midge scored and then played in the second half, showed her versatility and was able to play in the right back position. But Blacko after that did talk about how the fact that she, he wanted her to play quicker out of that position. And that to me sent a message that was like, okay, this is primarily where they're going to play her. Um, yet it wasn't exactly what he wanted from her. And so I was that, that's why I went with Davidson and my pick um, strictly with the 18 and, and would put Midge on the, um, as an alternate. Um, you know, what's interesting about all of this though, is more so not even those alternates, it's more of like the Emily Sonnet thing, because I personally think Emily Sonnet is a, fantastic center back you know she never plays center back for the national team she's either plays outside back or as a number six so to me it's more of like Kieran Davidson would be a lock-in in that center back position and then there would be a fight between some of these others as an outside back and I don't know it just doesn't seem to be that that be the case if, if that makes sense and you're following me what I'm saying because um in that case, I would be like Casey would be more of a shoe in as outside back in the 18. Yeah, I just don't know why she doesn't usually get called in or be called in regularly. So to speak. Yeah, Vlako Nanovsky said last week in some of his calls that it was basically uh, that he always rated Casey Kruger and it was a matter of uh, fitness wasn't there because of some injuries over the past year. And then um, that then affected form for a little bit. And then he said basically, you know, recently as of late uh the form was there and very good so uh, i guess in that sense it's a it's a follow-up to the league play matters uh mentality but you know it it, it did it did kind of come out of, of nowhere a little bit and i say that you know same i should say you know very respectfully to the fact that i also rate her um it just you know you typically don't see someone not be in a camp for four months and then is suddenly you know potentially on the full roster, depending on how it goes, but certainly, you know, getting on the plane at the very least. So, um, you know, an interesting, 
an interesting development. Um, I guess we needed some surprise because there really wasn't, it was really like we had maybe <laughs> two positions and it was, is the, who out of these three, you know, two that are going to make the roster, the other is going to be an alternate. So there was a little bit of surprise there. Um, so yep. just keeping things fresh. Um, Julie Ertz and Tobin Heath mm-hmm. are in the 18 player roster on the 18 player roster. Tobin Heath has not played since late January, I believe is the exact uh, time period. A couple of injuries, one initial injury, then an injury during rehab. Uh, Julie Ertz, by the time the Olympics start, it will be um, basically two months since that opening day, opening regular season day, MCL sprain. Flacco Anonofsky said last week, expecting to get Tobin Heath some minutes in Hartford in these two games coming up against Mexico. Julie Ertz probably will not play in a game competition until closed door games in Japan. So that is right up against the Olympics and we won't even see what that looks like. So we'll just be relying on, um, I don't know, maybe, maybe somebody there has some binoculars and (laughs) can see what's going on. So, um, short roster, how risky do you think this is? We know their quality, but we also, you know, this is maybe it's mitigated by this 22 player potential. Um, what do you think of those two selections? You know, not, not surprising in my mind. Um, you know, I think everyone knew as soon as Julie Ertz was, um, had gone down and the fact that there's, um, a real high potential that she'd be back in those in quotes, um, ready for the Olympics, then that was going to be the case. Um, she was going to be on the roster. I mean, with the amount of minutes and her not coming off the field ever really with the U S women's national team leading to the big question of who's going to play if she has to in that number six role. Um, it's not a surprise, you know, a little bit, um, you know, if you would have asked me about, right prior to that summer series, I don't know if I would have had Tobin Heath um, on my final 18, just given the lone fact that she hasn't played in any games. However, then I got a little bit of some inside information that was like how much, how great her recovery has been, how well she's playing and that she was one of the, um, once again, one of the smartest best players in camp for the U.S. Women's national team. I'm like, okay, done deal. Because you're not going to take a player of that caliber who's played this many games had this much experience for you and bring her as an alternate just because she hasn't played games. Right. So if she's progressing and you feel like she, she's just not, you're going to look at some other players in the summer series for that roster fill out and know that Tobin is, is coming along perfectly. And you've seen over the years, the consistency and the ability that she's brought you, then that's just going to be, um, that's just going to be the case. I just wasn't sure personally where had she was with her recovery. So, so yes, surprise, but also not. Maybe we saw this in 2016 with Megan Rapino getting the call in, right? And then wasn't fully ready to come back. And a lot of times, listen, Jeff, like the thing is about this is this tournament is so quick. It's not a World Cup. People need to realize that. It's, it's not anywhere near a World Cup where you have three or four days. This is about rest and recovery, who can turn around, who can, um, you know, um, get through the elements, which is going to be heat, which is going to be quick turnarounds. And, I mean, if you're looking at this roster, again, it, you could have brought – we could go – like head to head on some of these players and the qualities that we think like Lynn Williams, like, right. We know the, the, her ability to score goals herself, her ability to create chances. So we could talk about all those different things. However, any of these players, I think would be able to get the job done um, for sure. 
inside information. There we go. <laughs> we got it. Um, what? Uh, let, let's talk quick. I mean, hopefully not a, a terrible memory for you. I think probably a good one. But I mean, you were an alternate in 2012 at the Olympics. You, I mean, you played. You know, you had the World Cup experience, the Olympic one in 2012, alternate, which is. Um, I mean, I'm sure Japan is going to be different because of the pandemic. And, and we've talked about maybe these alternates actually become rostered players. We'll see. But um, just for, for people listening, you know, could you give like the brief description of, of just what the experience is like? Because you're, you're in the team, but you're not allowed to do certain things. You're, yeah. you know, you don't officially get a medal or recognized in that sort of way. I mean, what is that sort of um, when somebody hears alternate, like, yeah. What are they picturing? Oh, goodness. Yeah. I mean, listen, it, in the briefest way to explain it is you do everything the exact same way. You just don't get to play in the games. And honestly, we could have been sitting on the bench at like a World Cup and just not get minutes, right? Because you have so many players in the World Cup. I mean, there's there's players in that Olympics that didn't see minutes. Um, and we actually do more than them because we are training to be ready, right? And we and it's um, so we, you do exactly everything. I mean, we start the briefly as well you start the um the games before the opening ceremony so you're in different sites and then you finish off we finish off in the um olympic village and we stay in the olympic village as well exactly what you said though then you're just you just don't get medal but you're very much a part of the team you're very much a part of everything that takes place and so you know i would imagine that had something to do with it as well in terms of um you know, what some of these players bring to the team as well, both on and off the field, the camaraderie, because that is a huge part of this, um, this tournament as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we'll get- it's amazing. It's still amazing. Every, the whole experience. That's why I was like, kind of laughed when I said, well, maybe some maybe midge, who knows? Like, I don't know what the deal is. Or, <laughs> no one's actually going to turn it down if they right. do. That sort of thing, right? <laughs> yeah. We're not, we're not aware. I, Vleko, I think we talked about this in another setting. Vleko Ananovsky was actually asked several weeks ago by somebody of, if anybody had told them they don't want to be an alternate. And I think he kind of chuckled at that too and said, no, um, which I can't imagine anybody, anybody would. I mean, maybe an extreme scenario of a, you know, a veteran who'd been there and was like, what, but um, no, we're not aware of any of that. And uh, <laughs> not, not here to start any rumors by, by any means. Um, well, how about the U S um, what's, what's your outlook? I mean, you are, Day to day in day out, you're analyzing this team and even these players in the league. You've been in this setting as a player. You know, obviously, we we've said you know you played for the U.S., so maybe a hint of a little bias. I don't know, yeah. um, but you know, U.S. You got that group again: Sweden, Australia, New Zealand. You know, tough group. But if anybody's you know nobody should be worried about groups at this stage because third place finishers can even go through. Um, but I think the point being, maybe you can get beat up in the group stage and have to kind of limp into the, the knockout stage. What do you think of the, the path for the U S the roster, the path, how it all combines and, and where that might net out for them? Yeah, I, I, you know, it's a tough group, but I think that that's always, um, that's always going to be the case with the limited teams in the Olympics, mm-hmm. right? You're going to, it's going to be always be a tough draw and we're always going to see Sweden. We all know that. <laughs> and, um, you know, I, I think it, it just continues to get tougher, right? Because we're going to see Tom Samani. We're going to see Tony Gustafsson, people, two coaches that are very familiar with the U S um, that are familiar with what it takes to win in the Olympics, what it takes to win a world cup. Um, and also I think there's, there's stuff to be said too about, 
I well, backing up, I'll say I, I like this US roster. I like the mix of the 22 in general. I think it covers a lot of bases. I it would be cool if those 22 and um Lynn and um Jane and Kat and um Casey all get called up and it recognizes the full because the work they put into should be recognized. Um, however, you know, it's, it's always interesting because the U S has had a lot of preparation compared to some of these New Zealand's coming in. They haven't played games since March, 2020. And they are, they just had a camp Tom put it in his roster and some of the players that play here in the NWSL are going to be flying over there 10 days before the tournament. And it's like, let's go. And in some ways, <laughs> that's like, right. It's laughable because you're like, wait, how is that possible? Headed into a major tournament. And then also sometimes that's like to those teams benefits. So I think the first game we always talk about with the U S and I, I'm sure that they still talk about this too, is the first game is so important just to get the momentum going, um, getting, even if it's not the best performance, right. Just getting a, a result, getting that going. And then, um, you can start to make some changes within the roster, um, because it'll be similar to what we saw in the summer series, which is starting at 11, I would imagine make some changes, rest some legs that second game, then back to the potential, like kind of ordinary start at 11 by the third game. And then, then you're moving and grooving in the, in the, um, in the tournament. Yeah. I thought the, the cadence of that summer series was, was very much mimicking what, what he mm -hmm. might do, you know, different players, obviously, cause not everybody made the cut, but yeah. you know, what, what might be done at the uh, Olympic group stage. So, um, well, you are going to be calling games, um, mm -hmm. not far from, from where I'm recording this actually in, in Connecticut, um, <laughs> calling games for NBC men's and women's Olympic games. What, uh, what can people be expecting other than, um, you know, 4 a.m. kickoffs that I'm sure you're thrilled for? <laughs> yeah, I think. Oh, I know. They're like, what we, I got my assignments. I'm like, oh, goodness. <laughs> 30 kickoff. Uh, you know, listen, we're really diving into the prep, speaking to coaches now. And um, it's exciting. It's just fun to hear how these coaches are pre preparing their teams, how or lack of preparing, as we mentioned about Tom Sermani and um, coming over, but I think it's going to be, it's going to be a unique challenge because as I mentioned before, the Olympics is a lot less about development and actual, you know, I say quality of soccer, um, as we see in the world cup, I mean, no doubt will be quality, but by the end, I mean, you're, you're playing X amount of games in the two weeks, right? It's such a grueling tournament to have to like, um, rest and recover, um, as I mentioned, and then add in the fact that, um, it's going to be a weird environment, I think, in terms of no fans, right? Usually it's such an energy like um, suck, but also an energy like expansion as well, yeah. because there's so much excitement, right? And there's other athletes, other fans, and I don't think that's going to be the case. So it'll be interesting to see what that's like um, and how some of the athletes um, react to that and what that's like. So, but I think um, most likely the highest, highest quality competition, um, that we've seen it, much like the 2019 world cup and global game for on the women's side for sure just continues to get better. Yeah. What, um, you call, I mean, you call international games, you call college games, MLS, NWSL. What am I missing? Anything um, random no, stuff? That's, <laughs> that's it. You're, you're busy. Um, you know what, uh, I guess, I don't know if I've ever even asked you like what, what kind of got you into this groove? Cause you were doing a bunch of things, right? You're doing some training, um, yeah. some sports science stuff, like what's been the appeal for you to, to call Cause we've seen a lot of, a lot of former players now are, are analysts, they're broadcasting, they're, they're in TV. Um, mm -hmm. what's been the appeal for you? 
Yeah. Um, the, well, the appeal has been that it feels a lot like playing um, in the fact that um, the preparation, the um, craft itself um, is obviously very different than being on the field. But it, I don't think people realize the, the time and um, amount of work that goes into it to understand what live television is like. It's not like you just put on a headset or a stick mic and are like, Hey, we're here. Right. And like, there's so much that goes in behind it and the preparation and actually what's taking place when you are live. Like, it's not just, Hey, I'm calling a game. I have a producer director in my ear. I'm talking to the play-by-play. They have a producer director in their ear. And so there's just a lot that goes into it. And it's been amazing to, I love talking soccer. So um, that's been the case prior to that. I was doing training, as you mentioned. And, you know, after a couple of years of that, I just was like, ah, this isn't totally what's lighting me up like I thought and credit to Kate Markgraf who's the current general manager um since I'd retired she's like you should get in broadcast I think you you would be great and at first I was like no I'm doing the training stuff no 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 and then um she was like no seriously let's let's do this and then I reached back out to her when I was like okay yeah I need to change this up a bit and she's like okay here's the context go for it and goodness what a ride I mean because it is hard it is challenging and it's it's fun and then some work in progress very much still so nice yeah. you have a, a favorite game that you've called or that you've been at that's a non something you haven't played in hmm. well i will, will say it is um after a year and a half of calling games in studio right um it is wild to be back live because it's almost like the sensory overload because of the fans and um just how much energy there is in the stadium. And, and so the, obviously this is top of my mind, but um, well, two games, the one that when we opened up Q2 stadium a week and a half ago, um, U S women's national team versus Nigeria, my first U S women's national team game. So that was awesome. And to see the fans at that stadium. And then this past Saturday I did um, sporting KC LAFC men's game um, live in, in Kansas city and we had a red card. We had a couple of different um, lead changes. We had like weather wildness. So, I mean, the, and it was a packed house um, at Children's Mercy Park. And so it was, it was awesome. And it was a really high quality game. So that was the first U.S. game you called? Yeah. Cause typically for ESPN, Julie Fatty does the call. So yeah. And she's wow. been doing the U.S. So yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's, that's news to me. I did not realize yeah. that. Well, congrats. I didn't actually yeah, congratulate you for that. That's cool. Yeah. Thank you. Um, thank you. Well, real quick, I know we don't have a, a ton of time here. We, we're uh, we're hustling to some other stuff too. So, um, let's <laughs> See, you're talk, busy as well. Yeah, let, let's talk NWSL quickly because you're you're calling those games pretty regularly. Um, you know, you're you're watching them all the time. Obviously, um, anything that has stood out to you this season so far? Maybe anybody, any team that that you really? I mean, we talk about this every week. I know on on NWSL Live, but someone you'd want to you'd want to say for better or worse good or bad that's like this is what i'm watching right now or this is who i'm watching yeah goodness you know i could go so many different ways and you know how i'm always like okay jeff i'm gonna go one more thing to tell you and then you're like <laughs> hey Lori, like enough stop doing that um but honestly i think this past weekend summed that up right we could go so many different directions and how a bit of wildness there has been in this um league but i you know we're gonna have these guests on to um on our next NWS live show, but the Washington spirit have been so interesting to me because I would say that they've been one of the more consistent teams. Um, and I'm not saying like, Ooh, they're so exciting or they're like 
or they're not exciting at all. It's just this, this young team that um, I enjoy the, the way they play, even though I think there's can be another element to their attack, but they keep finding ways to get results. And if, even if it's a ton of wins or excuse me, ties right now. And I think it's been interesting with this, this team, because there's still another level. Whereas for a lot of the other teams, we've seen these um, huge dips and or ebbs and flows to their, to the results. And then, but mostly outside of that one, I cannot get over Orlando and the transition that they've had. Now we'll see if it's sustainable um, given that they just had their first loss against Houston. <laughs> but I mean, I, I cannot believe it. I cannot, if, if somebody would have been like, Lori, they're going to go on this unbeaten streak um, in this first part of the season, I would have been like, no, th- no, I don't think so. And, um, but credit to them, they've dug deep and seemed to find a real team mentality um, to, to get results when needed. So those I'd say in terms of team wise have been, yeah. um, kind of my interested ones. How, how about a player who's, who's been really impressive to you? Yeah. Good question. Um, that's, ugh, that's a tough one, really. Uh, you know, Alex Morgan, and I'll, and I'll say that because I think, you know, the big knock on Alex for many years now is she hasn't been able to produce in the league. She always been shown up for the national team, hasn't produced. And I think this is, I would argue that this is the best soccer we're seeing Alex play since her early years on the national team, which I would say were like the 2011, 2012, where um, 2011, she came off the bench and was like super sub baby mm-hmm. horse. Um, <laughs> and then also, and then in the 2012 Olympics. So, you know, I think that bodes well for the U S when we're talking about like kind of a, an aging front line that's going as well to Olympics. So um, I think Alex has a lot of different tools to be the most threatening striker that the U S has in headed into the season and it's helped Orlando as well. Uh, let's end with a couple quick predictions. The, the one is totally wild on the league front because who the heck knows? I think there's like maybe a couple teams you can rule out at this moment from winning a championship, but you could probably have a pick of six to eight. So what's your, like, we're roughly a third of the way through the season, very yeah. roughly. Who, who do you like maybe as a, we could say a shield winner, maybe even or shield or championship. Like who, who's right now, if you had to pick a team that you think is the favorite, just a favorite. Mm-hmm. I'm still going with my pick that, you know, early on North Carolina. Okay. All right. <laughs> yeah. How um, about you? Wait, hold on. Can you tell me your who who have you impressed with as an individual? As a player? Yeah. You know, I, I thought when you were talking about Orlando, you're gonna go Sid LaRue, because I think mm-hmm. you know, similarly very, very impressive. Um, you know, just the obviously the story coming back, but also um I think has been a big part of um Orlando's success. I mean, I think a few players down there, you know, even the younger defenders. Um, I think they've jumped out. Um, I'm trying to think beyond, you know, this is a tough question sometimes because I feel like goal scorers are kind of the only ones we, we talk about sometimes, but uh, I have been unfortunately disappointed in a lot of the center back play so far. this season. So so that one's a little bit more difficult. Um, So I think, you know, Sid LaRue, I mean, I think, Christy Mewis in league play when she has been there has been very good. Um, yeah. Cindy I mean, LaRue though is a good shout. And I had her as an early, along with the as an early um, 
MVP as well. And mm-hmm. she has been, I think, fantastic. I think a lot of that has to do with that partnership, even though she's done well when Alex hasn't been there too, um, to score goals and kind of lead that line. So we'll see um, how that continues for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, how about last one here? We started with talking where we talked a lot about Olympics gold medal us somebody else no i i mean i'm always listen i'm always rooting for the us <laughs> and i'm and more and more um i think it's I, I also i also think it's so tough right and it's one of the reasons it's tough to win these tournaments we saw how tough you know the us won in 2019 how how close that could have been and gone either way in some of the other games in their in their games so um, always the favorites of the U S and I think in how this tournament goes and is laid out. Um, yeah, I, I'm touting the U S and also like quote me here or maybe don't quote me if they don't, it's not totally surprising either. Just given the competition and how, right. how that's increased over the years. Right. Right. Biggest, what about big, you? biggest challenger for the U S. Um, well in group play, I would I would say Sweden. However, um, I'll, uh, you know the Netherlands. I think could be uh, could be a challenge. Right. Yeah. yeah, I think. I mean, I think Sweden overall will be very interesting to watch in group yeah. play. You know, you can't rule out seeing them again at some point because of a small yeah. tournament and and. Uh, it's always a tough game. We know how it went at the last Olympics, so I think there would be a lot of. Interesting storylines there, and we love a good story, I guess. So mm-hmm. oh, we totally did, don't we? Uh, well, <laughs> you're following it. Well, uh, maybe we'll have some follow-up to this down the road here and see see how correct or, or wrong we are. You're 100 percent on the roster, so we'll see. Maybe 100 <laughs> percent on everything else. So um, we'll make predictions. Yeah, for we'll, we'll we'll do another check-in soon, but we've got to run to another show. So, uh, Lori Lindsay, thanks for joining me on Kick It Back. Yeah, thank you. Always fun. Thank you for listening to Kicking Back, a podcast brought to you by The Equalizer and now with Blue Wire Podcasts. If you missed any of our great interviews from the past or you don't want to miss anything going forward, and I promise you that you don't, please subscribe on any platform you're listening. Please go ahead and rate and review our podcast. It really does help with visibility. That's that for this episode. We'll be back soon with another great guest from the world of women's soccer.